Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Tuesday the 25th of June. Coming up, MP criticises Jeremy Kyle's show over reliability of lie detector test. It's being presented black and white. You lied. And that is causing obviously considerable distress to the people receiving the results. Southern Water hits with record penalty. We are deeply sorry for the failings that have been identified in our Forts report. It's very, very clear that we have fallen below the standards that our customers deserve. And scale of cyber-related sex crimes against children revealed. The NSPCC has a very clear message today to the next Prime Minister that they must stand firm and uh, introduce as quickly as possible statutory regulation of online services. Kent Online News. First today, a Kent MP has criticised the use of lie detector tests in reality TV programmes following the death of a gay who appeared on the Jeremy Kyle show. Folkestone Hyde's Damien Collins heads up the Digital Culture, Media and Sport Committee, which has been hearing evidence from ITV bosses in Parliament. He started by questioning the show's executive producer, Tom McLennan. How accurate do you think those tests are? I understand you think they're not 99% accurate, but what level of accuracy do do you believe those tests have? We know they aren't 100% and so that's why we've always been incredibly clear with the people coming on the show before they, they, you know, were filmed and before they took the test and to the viewers. So um, I'm sure you're aware that the the dispatchers did a programme about Jeremy Carr's show uh, in that Professor Ray Bull of Derby University said he believed in, even in sort of perfect conditions with a trained expert using the machine, that the the test was at best a 66 to 70% chance of an accurate score. I think if you if you ask different experts you'd get different opinions. Mm-hmm. So that's why we were always very clear to make sure that everybody was aware that it wasn't 100% um, and that's why we came up with that disclaimer. Yeah, but the disclaimer doesn't really mean very much, does it? Because not 100% might mean nearly 100%, but we might be there might be some minor uh, discrepancy. Um, Professor Bull's uh, estimate is that two times out of three the test is accurate, but one times out of three it's wrong. And that's quite a big difference, isn't it? Jeremy Carl's choosing his words carefully. He's not saying you're a liar, he's saying the test says you're a liar. But nevertheless, it's not the test says you might be a liar, or the test said you might not be right. It's being presented black and white, you lied. And that, is being, and that is causing, obviously, considerable distress to the people receiving the results. I think we've got to remember that, you know, the, the people that appeared on the show, you know, were the viewers. Um, and they used to, you know, were a good proportion of the viewers. And they would watch the show on a daily basis. Um, and when we were going through all our procedures, if we ever, we would ask them, you know, have you ever seen the show? Um, and they would always come back and say that they had seen the show and they'd watch it as a re- on a regular basis. If they you know, hadn't seen the show, that would be a, a, a huge flag for us. So they had watched the show, they had applied to be on the show, they had also um, you know, wanted to take a lie detector, they had, seen, they had seen the show, obviously they knew of Jeremy's presenting style, they knew the accuracy because we'd made it very clear, so they were co- completely fully informed uh, by the time that they were appearing on the show. Um, have you, have you ever, uh, the company that does the test, have you asked them what they believe the accuracy rate is? Well, yeah, we've, we've talked to them, uh, you know, over a long period of time and, and, and they told us that it is not 100%, yes, so that's why so, we've made it very clear. So you're the executive producer, you're responsible for this programme. Yeah. So have you inquired as to how effective these tests are, what the percentage likely success rate is? 
Yeah, which is not 100%. Not, beyond that, have you said, have you said, okay, not 100%, so what is the actual percentage? Because I've, I've got to be responsible for this program. Well, no, as, as I said to you, if you ask different examiners, you'd get different opinions. So what's the range you can talk so, about? So, so, so uh, you know, because we would get different opinions, you know, we felt it was incredibly important to make sure that everybody was informed that the test was Okay, not what's 100%. the range? What's the range then? If, you've, if you said we've had different opinions, what's the range of opinion? Um, I mean, we could, we, could, we could talk to five different examiners and get a range of opinions and send them on to you. What's, well, have you got those figures? Have I haven't got those figures. Do you not know? Right do, do you not know, actually? I, I don't have the information in front of me now. I find that astonishing, actually, because this is, you know, you know become one of the most criticised elements of the show, one of the most controversial, one of the things that causes the most amount of stress. It's presented as fact. It is disputed how good the, how good the technology is, but you don't know yourself what the range is in terms of the likely likeliness to get true and accurate reading out of the test? I think we knew it wasn't 100%. We, we put on screen to the viewers, we would tell the, the contributors that the lie detector is designed to indicate whether somebody is being deceptive. Practitioners claim it to have a high level of accuracy, although this is disputed. Yeah, but, you can't, but you can't define what high level of accuracy is. I am not other than not, not 100%, but 50% is not 100%. I am not a lie detector expert, so what we would do is... No, we but you're respons you're, you are responsible for this programme. You are the person who's responsible for this programme. This is a key feature in this programme. And I think if you're using that, and if you were being responsible, you would know the answer to that question. Like I said, I'm not a lie detector expert, so, so we would hire in a lie detector expert. They would do the tests, uh, they would come up with the results, and then the results would be given to the producers, which would then be given to Jeremy. Um, we wouldn't get involved with the actual lie detector Okay, test. well you, you commissioned this, I think, uh, and I think if you don't know the answer to that question, you can't say what the range is of the likely accuracy of those tests. I think, that I, I think, I think that is irresponsible. The Jeremy Kyle show was cancelled last month and the host himself declined an invitation to give evidence in Parliament. Kent Online reports. The Environment Agency is carrying out a criminal investigation into a company that supplies water to homes in Kent after it was hit with a record £126 million penalty. A huge inquiry by the regulator found Southern Water deliberately misreported its performance and allowed waste to leak into the environment. Chief Exec Ian McCauley released a video apologising for what happened between 2010 and 2017. In 2017, I, I was brought into Southern Water to drive change and transformation and indeed to deal with legacy issues. We are deeply sorry for the failings that have been identified in our Fort's report. It's very, very clear that we have fallen below the standards that our customers deserve and require. We are absolutely committed to continue to improve, to build on the things that we have done since 2017 and be the company that customers deserve and meet the standards that they require. We've been working on that since 2017. We have come some considerable distance, but we have a long way to go still. We therefore very much welcome the agreement of the proposal with Offwork which allows us to make amends to our customers. Customers will get £61 rebates over five years. Kent Online News. New figures show police in Kent recorded more than one cyber-related sex crime against children every single day over the past two years. The NSPCC, who obtained the figures, say under-18s are increasingly being targeted on the web by offenders. Andy Burrows is from the charity. Last year, there were more than 8,000 child sexual offences logged by police across England, Wales and Northern Ireland. 
um, a range of uh, very serious um, sexual offences and now we're calling on the government to step in and ensure that social networks have to do much more to keep children safe. Um, what we've seen is in the space of four years, uh, the number of offences have doubled and that really underlines the urgency now of tackling the risks that children face on social networks. The NSPCC has a very clear message today to the next Prime Minister that they must stand firm and uh, introduce as quickly as possible statutory regulation of online services. Um, for the last decade, we've seen social networks really not do enough and in some cases, sit on their hands when it comes to keeping children safe. Uh, the only way we will see children uh, be protected when they go online is if we see the government um, redouble its efforts to keep children safe online. We want to see social networks have a duty of care to their users. That means that they have a legal responsibility to identify the risks that children can face on their sites and then make every effort to ensure that their sites in terms of how they're designed and in terms of how they run uh, are as safe as possible from those risks. Now, we've seen time and again that social networks just will not do this for themselves. The only way that they will uphold that duty of care to children is if this is a legal responsibility and if we see um, uh, heavy fines and the threat of uh, corporate criminal prosecution for failures to uphold that duty. Technology gives offenders new and easier opportunities to be able to contact large numbers of children at scale. Think about the way in which groomers are able to use social networks. This is uh, very similar really to the principle behind the phishing emails that all of us get. The ease with which you can contact significant numbers of children in the expectation that a small number of them will respond. Once children do respond then to someone who means them harm, they can be easily migrated to an encrypted site, to a messaging site, to a live streaming site where the live and visual nature of the platform carries even greater risks. Uh, so it's that um, ability of groomers to be able to contact children so readily, so easily in the first instance that is, that is fueling this threat. So our advice to parents who are worried about the risks that their children face is really very simple. Try and have regular uh, open conversations with your child. You'd ask them uh, when you're sat down having dinner at the end of the day what they did at school today. Ask them what websites they're using. Ask them what they're doing online. That's really important because it means you can give them the practical tips about how to stay safe. Do they know how to make a report? Do they have highest privacy settings attached to their accounts? But it also means that if something does go wrong, if something happens that makes your child feel uncomfortable, they know that they they can come to you. Uh, at the NSPCC, through Childline, we hear um, all too often from children who feel scared or embarrassed if something uh, bad happens to them online. So have those regular conversations and it means that you have that really strong, trusting relationship. Kent Online reports. A man's been arrested after armed police were called to a street just metres away from a Medway primary school. Things escalated when officers were threatened with a weapon during a routine home visit on Ingram Road in Gillingham this morning. The helicopter was also seen in the area and it's understood Saxon Way Primary School was put on lockdown. A man who threatened staff with an axe after he was caught trying to steal from a Tesco in Canterbury has been jailed for more than three years. Benjamin Clapp was spotted taking six beers and snacks from the New Dover Road store in April. He then swung the weapon before a security guard managed to grab it. The 38-year-old who doesn't have a permanent address 
stress went on to bite the guard in the leg. It's emerged hundreds of foreign drivers are getting away with speeding through the Contraflow section of the M20. Police say they haven't pursued vehicles from other countries that have gone over the 50 mile per hour limit on the stretch of motorway between Ashford and Maidstone. More than 900 UK drivers have been issued fines since the steel barrier was put in. Ashford MP Damien Green says he'll write to the chief constable about it. A boy's been attacked by a group of teenagers who tried to steal his wallet in a park in Tunbridge Wells. He was approached by up to five people in Calverley grounds near the exit to Mount Pleasant Avenue last Thursday night. Police say he wasn't seriously hurt and they're carrying out forensic investigations and looking for CCTV in the area. A new Starbucks is going to be opening at a Kent shopping centre later this year. The coffee chain's moving into the Ashford Designer Outlet, which is currently undergoing a £90 million renovation. Now, royalty's been visiting Leeds Castle today as celebrations to mark their 900th anniversary continue. A time capsule has now been buried by Princess Alexandra on the Castle Island and won't be opened for 100 years when the historic site marks its millennium. Gemma Wright, who works there, has been telling us more. So going into our time capsule, we've got some fantastic bits and pieces, our commemorative gin being one of them that we made for this year. Um, We've got a lovely letter to the future, which is penned by our chief executive, Sir David Steele, which I'm sure people in 100 years' time will um, really enjoy reading. It's a bit about what's going on here at the castle and also in in sort of wider Kent and indeed the the rest of the country at the moment. Um, We've also put in there the two winning stories uh, written by local children who entered our big story writing challenge competition that we ran. Uh, Claire Balding came here a few weeks ago and announced the um, she was our lead judge and she announced the two winners from the two age categories. Um, Superb stories and the children will both be coming back here on the 25th to see their stories be put inside the time capsule and then buried in the ground. Um, the other thing that we have got going in there is um, a, an album of what we're calling Then and Now Pictures. So um, this was a project that we've worked on for over a year now where we've taken some um, black and white pictures out of the archives of previous um, members of sort of house staff from Lady Bailey's era um, going right back to the early 1900s and we've recreated those shots with our modern day teams. So um, there's somebody in every picture that represents every department here. Um, There's 20 pictures in all and on the 25th of June those will be um, framed and mounted on easels and displayed around the croquet lawn um, right outside the castle for visitors to be able to walk around and have a look at and compare then and now um, so they're all the pictures uh, as well as being framed are being printed in an acid-free paper album and that will go into the time capsule as well so that people in 100 years time can compare what was happening then and today Kent Online Showbiz Grammy Award winning DJ and producer Mark Ronson's been chatting on KMFM about his new album Late Night Feelings was out on Friday and features top artists like Miley Cyrus and Camila Cabello he told Emma Joe on the hit list what's behind it um, suddenly for the first time in my on my own records kind of making music that's a bit more honest and vulnerable and uh and but i still you know i still 20 years of djing in clubs i still want people to be able to move to it so that's it and you know the first single is nothing breaks like a heart with miley and then you had late night feelings with leaky lee and this idea these really powerful wonderful yearning vocals but still um like songs that you could dance to yeah, definitely. Now, um, you just mentioned there about obviously the incredible featuring artists you have on the album. 
in a way, it's kind of like they're your colleagues. So in general, what is it like working with them? Like, do they turn up on time? Who gets the coffees in? We have a fairly, like a fairly complicated espresso machine, like the one that you'd see at Costa when you're looking and you're like, how do you work that? So I've tried to make coffee on it a little bit, but I, I have broken the machine. Before, no, so Mark, I, what do you do I, when you've broken the machine? I, I rage against it. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and that, that, so, so Tom makes a coffee. Uh, everyone was pretty much on time. I feel like, you know, you're dealing with these superstars and LA traffic and whatnot. You allow everybody about 15 to 20 minutes to be late. I don't, I don't get mad over 15 to 20 minutes. Now, already, obviously, you've had such success in the UK with Nothing Breaks Like a Heart. What was it like working with Miley? Because to all of us, she seems super fun. She really is. You know, she's she's so cool. You know, she's very, like, larger than life. And the way that she talks is hilarious. And she's so smart. Um, I, this is my first time really getting to know her, working on this song with her. And I'm really glad... I did, and, you know, that led into me working with her on her new music, and I hope it's a, you know, a nice relationship that that lasts for a long time. So um, I'm really glad, you know, I saw her originally singing a song on TV where she, where I really heard the more country side of her voice, and I became a bit obsessed with it. So that's how she ended up getting in the studio. I, I chased her down until... She finally showed up. <laughs> when you say you chased her down, how does it work? Did you message her or had you met before? Did you just sort of send her a little text? I texted her for four years. No. Yeah. No literally. way. She said at first that she hadn't had my number say, but I would send her like these long texts like, hey, this is Mark. I don't know if you know what I do, but I saw you on the TV. You sang so good. Uh, I wanted to know if you ever want to make music sometimes. Like Then just nothing. And then... Three weeks later, I'd just get a like, hey, what's up, dude? So it was a bit vague because it didn't really address anything that I had obviously asked her. But then she told me much later when we met that she doesn't even doesn't even have her grandmother's number saved and usually just sends back emojis to people. <laughs> like she doesn't know who anyone is. She's just like, yep, love heart. <laughs> um, so, Mark, right, it's a Friday night. I'm getting ready to go out. Which song from Late Night Feelings should I put on and why? Just put late night feelings on. It's going to put you in a good zone. It is a good... It is actually quite a nice Friday night getting ready album, I would say. Doing your makeup, having a Prosecco. I hope so. Definitely. If you missed their chat, you can listen back at kmfm.co.uk. That's it for now, but don't forget you can go to kentonline.co.uk for more news throughout the day. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.